Big 12 or go home. It's championship week. We're here. We made it th- through the whole season. Pulled 12 games. Uh, brought you coverage you can count on here. Go mm-hmm. Big 12 or go Big Home. I'm Brandon Shanahan. Joined, as always, by Iowa broadcasting legend Drew Russell. Drew, boy, what a weekend. What a weekend. It, it was just late August. I'm telling you, like, well, two weeks ago. I don't know how on earth we're you know, into the month of December pretty much now. And here we are, championship weekend. We've got our matchup with Texas-Oklahoma State, which that path for both teams, especially Oklahoma State this last weekend, was uh, pretty interesting, but they made it. And we've got a lot to discuss, not just with the Big 12, but, uh, you know, just the general aspect of college football as we get into one of the funnest weeks of the year with championship week. And obviously we'll find out uh, next time we record, we'll have our uh, playoff teams, which is very exciting. Yeah. I gotta say, um, as far as like a conference championship weekend goes, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I feel like mm-hmm. last year we got real gypped with a bunch of stinkers mm-hmm. and a bunch of games that didn't matter, you know, with Michigan beating up on, I don't even know who they mm-hmm. Purdue maybe. Um, yeah. And then Georgia and LSU was never competitive. Um, out, out, out west in the Big Twelve were really good games with USC and Utah. That one mattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU, Kansas State, very good game went overtime. Didn't matter. You know, definitely the Big Ten didn't matter. Definitely the SEC didn't matter. Um, but this year feels very consequential. All of those games. Yes. You know, you have you know two juggernauts in Alabama and Georgia going mm-hmm. at it. You get two also very prime playoff contenders in Washington and Oregon. Mm-hmm. Getting a part two of that is just uh, that's outstanding stuff. Um, you, you get the the potential, you know, upset spoiler kind of situation in the Big mm-hmm. Twelve. You know, is, is Texas going to slip up? Are they back? And then you mm-hmm. get to watch Michigan just kick the snot out of out of Iowa. Um, it's only it's, it's already been sixty four days since Iowa's been shut out, uh, so they're probably due. So, you know, you think that you think that's a done deal. You don't think Iowa competes at all. I, I've seen the line. I mean, Michigan's a big favorite, but you don't think Iowa can keep it. I'll say keep it within 10 going into the fourth. That would make me cry. Um, of course, I got my personal uh, <laughs> allegiances on. I don't want them to have any, any feelings. I it's going to be the last time we ever see Iowa in a Big Ten championship. So I guess we could kind of celebrate that. But yeah, I definitely. And I. I think that very much matters on on what Michigan wants to do. If they want to win this game by 84 points, they can win this game by 84 points. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, I have a feeling they they don't care about winning 80 by 84 points. Care about getting in, getting out, staying mm-hmm. healthy, yep. not putting too much on on, on tape if, if you can avoid it. Yeah. Uh, so I think for that reason, it probably will be pretty closer than we probably should. Iowa minus t- or plus 24. So it's probably yeah. a good bet. It's a lot of points. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, I, I'm, I'm rooting for, for, for them to run it up for sure. But that's so, just my own. That's fair. So you, you look at all the championship games this weekend, and we're going to obviously dig into the most Texas, Oklahoma State. So Texas wins, they're 12 and one, and they're going to believe they have a case for the college football playoff. It's a fair case. Their only loss is a neutral site game against a hated rival in the last 10 seconds. But this is a clog jam or, you know, a log jam at the top. When you look at 
Georgia undefeated, Florida State's undefeated, Michigan's undefeated, Washington's undefeated. And then you have an Alabama team with one loss, Oregon with one loss, then you have Texas and, and those are, so they've got to find a way to leapfrog. And even Ohio State's got one loss, but we'll say they're out for right now since they're not playing this weekend. I don't know if they have a route back in, but the question is like, is there a way that Texas can make it? Cause I, I don't know if it's there right now. Like what, what are the circumstances that would have to happen for them to make it? And we talked about last week where let's say Alabama beats Georgia this weekend and Alabama would make the college football playoff. I don't think anybody can debate that at 12 and one in an SEC championship. Maybe we can, but I'll say no. Are they going to take a one loss Georgia team or a one loss Texas team? I don't, I, I, I would think they'd go Georgia. Like I weirdly, I don't know though, Brandon, like this is a tough like situation here where is there a route where Texas can play in this thing? I, I do think that there is a route. It's tough to, to to kind of piece it together because of how awful the I think the college football playoff committee is because they think they keep telling us one thing and then doing other things. First of all, they're not even doing those things. Well, Tennessee being ranked and Utah not being ranked is is exactly what, what you need to know. Tennessee is not good. Mm-hmm. Utah is. It is, it is what it is. Um, I don't know if you remember first game of the season, Utah had a quarterback competition against Florida. They're like, yep. we're so in control of this game. We're just going to, we're going to see if, if we can find a quarterback here, like a scrimmage. They were treating that game like a scrimmage and that team beat Tennessee by two touchdowns. So I uh, just want to throw that out there. I'm not bitter about That's it true. at all, but um, so aside <laughs> from that, they, they, they keep telling us that we want the four best teams, which by the way, it's never right. been that it, and frankly, sure. it shouldn't be, but they keep saying it. And then they keep doing things like elevating Florida State, who has lost their Heisman caliber quarterback. That's not nothing. They, yeah. If you take away the resume and you really want to make a case for the four best teams, yeah. Florida State with their backup quarterback is not a top four team. Now, granted, they should be in there because they've earned it. They deserve to be there. Um. And that's fine. I don't know why they don't say that. Right. So it, it, it's tough to really get a gauge on, on where they're going at. And they, they also do this thing where they like to swish things around at the last second, especially with the conference championship games. Like in that first year with TCU, they were, I mean, I'm not mistaken, they were in, they were in the top four going to the conference championship weekend, mm-hmm. just spanked Iowa state for their last game of the year, claimed their co right. big 10, big 12 championship game. And then got demoted after the conference championship game. Right. Um, so it, it, it's really tough to really gauge where they're going. The path for Texas probably what the path should be for Texas is if Florida State's out, then Texas gets elevated to that four slot. Um, especially if Wash because so, in that situation, I think that the Pac-12 is an elimination game. So either Oregon or Washington stays ahead of them. And then, of course, Georgia and Michigan control their own destiny. So then you get Georgia, Michigan, uh, Pac-12, and Texas. Mm-hmm. I think that that should be the path. I have a hunch that there's if Alabama wins, that won't be the path. But Right. We'll I, I think that's the ultimate X factor. Because if Georgia wins, that cleans up quite a bit. Where, yeah. um, you know, if you're – I mean, if I'm Texas, I'm, I'm supporting Georgia. No questions. 
because, um, you know, undefeated and Alabama have two losses, they're out. Um, you know, that Pac-12 game is an interesting one to me because I could envision a scenario where if Oregon wins over Washington, but there's some weird shenanigans that they keep the Pac-12 out somehow. Because I think if Washington loses, Brandon, I think they're done. I don't see I, a scenario where they're, even though them and Oregon would have split the season series, they're done. Like, no yeah. one's going to take that seriously. And on paper, I would say Oregon should jump and, and get that opportunity to potentially play. But would that committee view the same thing? And Florida State's the interesting X factor because, you know, they played Florida last week. They didn't look great for a lot of that game. Um, and give them credit. They win at a rival's place. That's not an easy play thing to do. No one's debating that. But they don't look they're, – they're not the same since the Travis injury. No one's also going to fight that. And But, I, you know, if you're the college football committee, can you keep a 13-0 team out? And I, I – you know, Florida State – if I'm a Florida State fan, I would gripe like crazy if you kept my team out at 13-0. Like, what else do you want us to do? We played an SEC team. We beat LSU. Like, we, we killed them. So – it's an interesting deal, Brandon. I, there are still a lot of scenarios um, that can play out, but I guarantee you know that college football committee, I'm sure they're praying, and I don't think they'll get it, but I'm sure they're hoping that somehow Louisville can upset Florida State, make their life a little bit easier, because uh, Florida State, I don't think, is a top-four team right now, even if they win, but they'd have to put them in. I, I, I feel bad for them if they didn't, to be brutally honest. Yeah, and then I also look back because I think you could have made a very similar case back when the playoffs started with Ohio State losing their top two quarterbacks mm -hmm. and the playoff committee. That's the team who they elevated above that really, really good TCU team. And it, it, it feels different because there's still a lot more mess at, at the top where you're not splitting hairs between a non-conference champion and a conference champion where you probably have to pick between a couple of different conference champions for that last spot. Um, so it's different, but I I would hope that the committee would be like, hey, this team deserved to to, to go to the playoff. They went 12-1. and one. They won the, the Big 10 championship game. Yeah, their QB1 and QB2 went down. They're probably not as good without those, but the – this is what we asked. They did exactly what we asked them to do. Go out, right. win all your conference games, win your conference championship game. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you covered at the end of it. I, I hope that's the path that they take. Cause it, especially as a big 12 homer, knowing how the optics are going to go here shortly. Mm -hmm. If they're going to do this to a team like Florida state, where you could go 13 and zero and miss the playoff. Granted it four versus 12 teams can be very different, but right. Yeah. If you don't respect a perfect season, then it, I think it narrows the options for the Big 12, and it sets a really bad precedent, a very slippery slope. Because then also, well, then when do you draw the line at what injuries matter? Like if Ohio State had won, but Marvin Harrison Jr. gets hurt, they're not the same team, so now they should get demoted because they have that? Or what if it's yep. like a left tackle, and you're like, well, I th that's a big vulnerability. That's one of the most valuable Positions on the field, and now we're now we're going to keep you out. 
Uh, They wait for the injury report to come out before releasing the rankings. It's just, it it feels very slippery. And I would, granted, I I don't think that Florida State is the top four team. And I think you could even make the case it's kind of sketchy with with Jordan Travis in there. Mm -hmm. But they've earned it. That team has earned it. That coaching staff has earned it. Right. They they've done everything that they've done, and and as you said, I I talk a lot about how the SEC plays their eight conference games and they're soft, and the mm-hmm. Florida State has an eight game schedule, and they scheduled LSU in Florida, yeah, and so that's not nothing. They yep. they literally have done everything the playoff committee would ask a team to do: be yeah. perfect, schedule non conference games that are tough, win yeah. those. Still yeah. have to be perfect, and they did it. So it, that to me feels like you should take precedent over this phony baloney concept that it should be the four best teams. That uh, the games have to matter. They have to matter. Not and not to mention, I've talked about this before. I absolutely hate that non-conference games are picked ten to fifteen years before they're played. Yeah, like that a series like hey in twenty thirty three and twenty thirty four we're going to be matching up with this team. Who knows where both of those programs will be at that point? That's 10 years away. And, you know, like for Florida State, they didn't know that Florida, like Florida's traditionally a pretty good team. They didn't know they would be kind of in this scenario. They don't know where LSU is going to be. They've tried, and that does matter. Um, but, but what's interesting, Brandon, I'm, I'm looking just at the matchups that involve playoff teams. And I'm going to base this purely off of the Vegas lines if they were to play as true in terms of where that line is oregon washington oregon's a nine and a half point favorite which is significant it is texas is a 15 and a half point favorite georgia's a five and a half point favorite michigan 21 and a half and then florida state's only a two and a half point favorite over louisville as of right now that's a louisville team that just lost to kentucky last week so let's say everything plays out based on that line itself and I know that could, it's college football, so I guarantee it won't. But let's say Oregon takes out Washington, Texas wins, Georgia wins, Michigan, Florida State. You would have a scenario where pretty much, I mean, you'd have five teams pretty much that I feel would be claiming for four spots. Mm-hmm. Where you'd have Georgia undefeated, no one would debate that. Michigan yep. undefeated, no one would debate that. And then Florida State would be undefeated. I don't think you can debate that. And then it comes down to which one lost conference champion do you pick, Texas or Oregon? And I think they like I think they keep the Pac-12 out, actually. I think they'd pick Texas. Or do you think they would say, you know what, Oregon beat a good Washington team previously undefeated, or they sneak in at four? I, I think that they would sneak in. I, I think the path in that scenario for Texas would be a lot cleaner if in this most recent rankings, Texas was ranked ahead of Oregon. Right. I don't really think there's a way that Texas can jump Oregon if they, if Oregon wins. Cause right. then you also look at it when well, now Oregon, depending on how far Washington falls, almost certainly if, if, if Alabama loses to Georgia, Oregon's going to have the better win in Washington mm-hmm. and they're going to have the better loss also in Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you make the, claim that now they beat every team on their schedule i would make the case that they've gotten significantly better since that that loss to washington mm-hmm. um and you could probably say the same for texas since their loss to oklahoma they've really not struggled much um so i i i 
I would have a hard time anticipating Texas jumping Oregon in in, yeah. in that manner. Um, Do you yeah, think for Texas to make it, Florida State has to lose no matter what? What scenario has to happen for Texas? I so and Joel Clatt threw this out, okay. and, and and I I mentioned this earlier because this is how it should be. Okay. If say Florida State wins, they're in. Pac-12 winner, they're in. Michigan wins. They're playing a JV team. Uh, they're <laughs> in. So then you have that a four spot. And then if Alabama beats Georgia, mm-hmm. Texas should be in over Alabama. They they played head-to-head. You've seen these two teams on the same field. Texas won by, by multiple scores in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. That should take precedent. Now, I have a feeling that that's not how it's going to be. The committee is going to jump Texas but with Alabama um, claim resume claim they've gotten better blah 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 um, so I think that's how it would pan out but mm-hmm. I think and I think that's the nightmare scenario for the committee is having is to make that, that call because then and I, I and like I hinted earlier that's such a shitty precedent where it's like okay well you can we want you to schedule non-conference opponents that are tough and we want you to beat them, and then it doesn't matter because <laughs> because right. they, they, well, it's like it's like Big Twelve conference member Cincinnati when they're yeah. in the AAC, they go undefeated, not enough. They had to go undefeated again the next year in the regular season just to yeah. get like they got their attention. Like pretty much, they're like, well, you got to be undefeated for two years, and then you can make it. And I feel like that's like that's what it takes sometimes is you have to be on the radar preseason to make it. Yeah. Unless it's wild circumstances. Yeah, it's just it it feels so shitty to have these two teams play. But I mean, I guess you can also make the case. Well, now teams aren't going to schedule because the twelve and oats Alabama team gets in over Texas. Yeah, no doubt. But because they decided to schedule them and lost, but I. But you gotta you gotta reward the winner of that game. I agree. That's why I, we, yeah. the games have to matter. I agree with that, and that's where that's the question. Because two loss Alabama, no one's going to bait Texas. is yeah. better. But what if it is a one loss Alabama SEC champion? I, yeah. Because I, I think Georgia. Right. Then they'll they'll compare Georgia to Texas, and that'll be the big question. Yeah, which that would be an interesting one in its its own debate as well. Um. You know, and, and those are both national. Like, Texas is a national brand. Mm. You know, it's not like that's, um, you know, if it was future Big 12 member Arizona, who's had a great year. Kudos to them on yeah, the nine-win season. Yeah, go Cats. But let's say it's Arizona for some reason, and they're in the same situation. I don't think I would personally even think, consider them to make it, even if they if they won a hypothetical Big 12 championship. I'm like, Georgia's the bigger national brand. They're going to pick Georgia. Doesn't matter. But Texas is not a small brand. Texas is a huge brand. And that's like, I do think brands have kind of mattered in this playoff era. It clearly, they want ratings, they want TV revenue. It's a for profit sport. Um, this would have been a good year. I, I know last week I kind of rammed on the, uh, railed on the 12 team playoff a little bit, but this would be a pretty decent year to have a, you know, as long as the conference champion got the bye, no matter what. Um, this would be a pretty good year for a 12-team playoff. 
I feel it'd be actually kind of viable this year, to be honest. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And I, you know, the, it, it's so funny because uh, on my Twitter feed all, all, all day today, it's been people who are super stoked and think that this, um, that this 12 team playoff is a disaster. And then another folks are just so excited. It, it doesn't feel like that there's a whole lot of uh, middle ground and they're, they're so passionate on, on each end here. And, but yeah, like, like I said, I think this is the perfect way to do it as I'm trying to, to pull it up without having to let me see here. So yeah, let's, you know, because my thing is, and the one argument that you'd have against is that it, it possibly narrows out, you know, that the regular season. But I don't think so, because Georgia and Alabama are playing. If Georgia loses, well, then they, now they go play Missouri. You don't want to go play Missouri. You right. want to be on the couch watching film, getting rest. Right. You know, if you're, you know, Washington, yeah, you probably still get in with, with a with a loss against Oregon, but you don't want to play any of these teams, even if you know you, you get lucky and draw too late. None of these teams you want to play for your season, so it incentivizes conference championship games for the the, the favorite, as we talked about. But also now teams like Oklahoma State, who have had these real rocky mm-hmm. seasons, haven't been able to. They they, they had a rough start. They've come mm-hmm. back. They stumbled late. They have a chance to make the playoff. How fucking right. crazy is that? Louisville, the first year head coach, ten and two. They're humming. All they have to do is beat Florida State with their backup quarterback. They're in the playoff. That's beautiful. I don't know. Agreed. I, yeah. I, I hate. Uh, uh, there's a an argument against it because this is awesome. This is awesome. This is like this. Would, I would be pretty hyped for this. Like, and again, I know what I said last week, but like in the span of a week, Brandon Shanahan. I have gone from, I don't know, let's keep the tradition. And now I'm like, you know what? The NCAA tournament as well, because of its unpredictableness with the 68-team field. And I'm kind of all in on this 12-team deal. If they can find the correct format. And I think they will. Now they probably won't. But on paper, this is incredible. I would love to see Penn State go visit Austin. Yeah, That'd be a weird game. Like Austin or Texas should win, but like Penn State's defense is pretty nasty. They can't score worth a lick, but like, I think they could give them some fits. Lane Kiffin going to Ohio State would be hilarious. Outstanding. That would be fun. like in middle of December, see Ole Miss go to Columbus would be pretty funny. I mean, Mizzou, like you meant, I hate Mizzou, but they're playing quality football. I'm guessing Bama wouldn't want to see them. Yeah, a team like Missouri doesn't have to be perfect, right? To get into the to play for a national championship. Right. They've lost twice. Like they deserve to play on the road, but like, you know, I've kind of come around, like, does it water down the regular season a little bit? No. Honestly, God, I was like, last week I was telling you, Brandon, I was like, yes, it does. And now I'm like, maybe a little bit, but like, you still have to win 10 games to make the college football playoff. Yeah. You still have to have like double figure wins to be considered. And some teams just do it in their sleep. That's what's infuriating to a lot of teams. Georgia can win 10 games sleepwalking through the season. They've sleptwalked through a good chunk this year. They're 12-0 and, and good shot. They're 13-0 after this weekend. 
Like, it's not easy to win 10 games in college football. Just certain programs, because they recruit well, they have big fan bases, ETC. It's just the standard. Ohio State, they, shoot, Ryan Day's had a great year. That's another great Ohio State team. They went 11-1. and Not good enough. They lost to Michigan. Like, there's just different. But you have to win 10 games still to make it in this new era of college football. And that's not easy. No. It's not easy to win 10 games. I don't care the conference. I don't care. It's not easy to win 10 games. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. So, yeah. And then I don't know. I, you know, looking back at this last week of, of college football, you, you look at it and like there's so many more teams that are, that are in it. Like a Penn State, if they, if they dropped that game last week, they're all of a sudden not going to the playoff. That's a big right. deal. You know, same thing with Missouri playing Tennessee a couple couple weeks ago. If they drop that game, now they, they didn't drop it because Tennessee stinks. Right. Um, then yeah, they they're, they're not in it. Their season's ruined. Where this year is kind of like, well, yeah, it'd be nice to get to like a better bowl game and to get to ten wins. Right. That's pretty cool. But I mean, that's not that that's not as tangible. And then a team like Missouri can now take the their playoff appearance that bright spot on national mm-hmm. television where they're playing yep. among the best teams in the country, use that momentum into, into the recruiting season, into the transfer right. portal season, and really try to build something special and take advantage of that where a 10-win season is great, but that's it's not moving the needle as much as it as it should. I That's a great point, Brandon. You're dead right because the United States sports culture – Regular season matters, but it's what you do in the postseason. That's what people care about in this country. That's not necessarily the case in other countries. You go over to Europe, you watch soccer over there. They don't have postseason play for those soccer leagues. What you do in the regular season, how you finish in the regular season, that's like if you finish first regular season, you're the champ. There is no, hey, you got to now play in a champion, like a tournament, and you're the one seed. That doesn't exist. What's interesting, I think, just, you know, at that bracket, I mean, that's a great point. Like, you know, for the, like, Ohio State-Michigan last Saturday wouldn't have had maybe as much significance. But there, it's still a rivalry, so I think that, that it's just the bragging rights no matter what. So I think the significance would have stayed there for the most part, even with a 12-team playoff. But that was something I read that, you know, people were saying, well, that's the problem with this new 12-team playoff. That game is pretty much a de facto elimination, or it wouldn't be an elimination game because both teams would make it no matter what. But I view it as somebody's getting a bye. Somebody's going to get – that's a huge deal. Like, you you see teams in the NFL, they'll keep their starters out weeks 18 now. Right. If they can be in the the hunt for that – for a home field advantage or that – or that one buy they get now. That's so important. Fan bases will stay more engaged as well. Because again, the United States is a postseason country. We like what happens in the postseason. And you look at certain teams that are, if they're ranked between 10 and 15, or heck, even 15 to 20, three, four weeks left the regular season, they're thinking, you know, maybe we've lost once or twice. But if we get hot, make a conference championship game win our conference championship like we're in this thing yeah we're in it it's not a hey congrats you're going to you know the sugar bowl and i crack up at people who 
say, man, those were the days back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s when th that's how college football should be is, you know, just a limited amount of bowl games, all that. It was great back in the day. It yes, was perfect yeah. for the back in the day. Yeah, when you had this three isn't back channels. in the day. When you only had three channels, it was great. It made a lot of sense. This isn't back in the day anymore. This is the style we created. Let's make it fun. And I think I've done, I've legit done a 180 in seven days on it. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I really have. Cause I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? Let's go 12. More teams are going to care. You can still make those top spots pretty freaking worthwhile. Um, more football as well. More meaningful football um, outside of the gamblers and sickos that want to watch, you know, those December bowls. And I know a few of them, Brandon, myself included here and there, who doesn't love the cheese it bowl. Um, Let's go. But seriously, 12 team playoff this year would be great. It's going to be, I'm sure great in future years as well, but um, that's not the scenario we're playing with right now. We're at four teams and we're going to see how it pans out this weekend. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll also throw this out there to you that, cause I think the best argument for, keeping the playoff at four teams. As you look at that Michigan-Ohio State game, it's got 19 million viewers this year, um, where they both would make the playoff if, if it was 12 teams for sure. And we talked about how much, how beneficial that that, that buy is and, and whatnot. Uh, what happened last year? They had 15 million people watch that game. It was mm -hmm. the most hyped football game of the entire season. And then they both made the playoff anyways. Great point. Wonderful. I, point. We're already there, and I right. think, I, I, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, the high, high, high intensity regular season games may get diminished a little bit, but that is far outweighed by all the games now that are going to get exponentially elevated. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't think that diminished the game at all last year. The fact no. that both of them end up getting back into the playoff, and I, if it's a good enough rivalry, it doesn't matter. Like just yeah. that hatred there, and just is two going to exist. elite football teams, right? Just e e elite indeed. I I think it's going to be great. I know they got a ton to iron out with, you know, losing an entire conference. Um, that was you know going to be beneficial to kind of a part of that, and it's. Very ironic that this new setup would have been great for the Pac-12. I think it's great for the Big 12. Um, it's going to be interesting how just all of it plays out in the future regarding how they do it. But they've got to make sure that those conference championship games mean something. And I don't have a problem like Oklahoma State, if that's a 12-team field, you know, wouldn't make it right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if they weren't playing, they wouldn't make it. I'm not saying they should. But hey, you win your conference championship game, they deserve to make yep. it. Yep. And so the team that gets knocked out, I'd say, should have played better. It's like the NCAA tournament. Um, maybe this is a little higher stakes, but it's like the, the men's and women's basketball tournaments. A team that lost 12, 13 times, the regular said, oh, how could they not keep, get us in the tournament? Uh, shouldn't have lost 13 times. Yeah, Maybe don't, you know, like you had your shots. You know, like it's not like you lost once and – they're not letting you in. Like you had your shots. So I don't know. I, I think it's good. It's I think the drama is gonna be more interesting. And man, those um I think similar to that first year when they 
went to four teams and the excitement there was for the semifinal games and it was palpable. Um, it's going to be the same next year. Those initial, you know, first round games on those college sites are going to be just insanity. Yeah, I think, and I think twelve is the perfect number because I think four is fine because it, if you are the best team in the country, you're going to make the top four. I, I think that's yeah. that, that's been proven very, very effectively. But 12 feels like the most amount of teams where it doesn't diminish things. You can still incentivize winning your conference. You can still incentivize being one of the best teams in the country Mm -hmm. without watering it down so much. Because college football, I think, hands down, has the best regular season in all of sports and American Mm -hmm. sports. And I I would go to war to defend that statement. Mm -hmm. One quick thing I'd like to add. I don't have a Big Ten podcast. Maybe someday. It's like I got 100 of them now. But if I did, I would bring this up there. I think the Big Ten has an opportunity to do something really cool, and I don't think they're going to do it. Because what would diminish Michigan-Ohio State, without a doubt, is if they played that great game that we saw on Saturday, and then they line it back up and play for the Big Ten championship game on on Saturday. That would diminish it, having Mm -hmm. to see those two teams play back-to-back weeks. And there's a simple way to fix it. That nobody's talked about, so I'm going to coin this trade market. If it goes into existence, I I would like a piece of the pie. Um, All you have to do is delegate the final week of the regular season as rivalry week or whatever you want to call it. And then just say these matchups are ineligible for the the Big Ten championship game. And then boom. And also worth mentioning with Washington, Ohio State, USC, and UCLA, it's going to be very... It's going to be much harder for those two teams to just run through the conference like they've been running through it, but it does eliminate yeah. that risk of, oh, well, they're 12-0, and because then that game gets so diminished if they just run yes. it back for, 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 for more. For, for, for and, more. And that might be a debate for another whole podcast, but that was something I've read about certain rivalries. like And Michigan-Ohio State's the one we've discussed quite a bit here, so I'll keep with them. I've read that they've looked at potentially putting that game in mid-October uh, just so that there isn't like a back-to-back deal in case it's like a conference championship situation. I don't know if that's possible in a, what now, 18-team league, uh, how that how that would even work. But there's a lot of things they've got to iron out. Well, that's a, what, what's so cool about where we're at in college football is that you can do whatever you want. Like mm-hmm. going into this year, you had two options, either uh, get rid of divisions and have the two best teams play in the conference championship game, which would then allude to, you know, a possibility of Michigan and Ohio State playing in back-to-back weeks, or you have divisions and you end up with the ugly stepchild that is the Big Ten West just to avoid having to to, to play Michigan Ohio State. The rules are off the table now. You, you All these conferences are doing whatever they want. Some are looking at pods. Some are looking at protected rivalries the big 10 has had protected rivalries and then they're also being like well this team gets three this team gets one to 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 keep that going the big 12 has almost no protected rivalries so it you can do whatever you want that seems like a very easy rule to implement that would you know bring in competitiveness that the big 10's current format with divisions doesn't lend itself to without you know the doomsday scenario of Michigan, Ohio State, back-to-back weeks. I, 
You're right. Well, conferences, and they're going to have to. They're going to make those decisions going forward. But going to the future, you'll have the Big Ten at, at 18 teams, SEC at 16, Big 12 at 16, ACC in that 15, 16 range as well. So they're going to they can all do whatever they want schedule wise, but they're going to have to get creative. And uh, you know, if it gets too sloppy, maybe you just take a few teams and create another conference. Um, maybe that's more regional. Uh, but that's just yeah, maybe one man's opinion. A conference opinion. out on uh, on the West Coast. Hey, oh, just one man's opinion. Pacific Sports Conference or something. Pacific Athletic League. Man, I don't I know. Mean, yeah, the, yeah, Pacific Ocean is out there. Um, yeah. I can confirm that. Um, there is. The it's easy to mix Ocean. up because now Stalin Cafford, Stalin, uh, Cal and Stanford. Stanford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they uh, they play on the Atlantic Coastal Conference. Oh, yeah. We should Boy, get one that's... of those for the coast. I'll tell you what, next time I'm out at uh, Stanford, I'm going to have to get some water from the Atlantic Ocean and, and take it out there because uh, um, that's nearby, right? Atlantic Ocean's yeah. close to. Close I mean, they play in the same conference. Right. It's going to have to be. Right. Uh, definitely not closer to any other bodies of water. Uh, that's for sure. Um, shout out to my first grade geography education there. Um, so I don't know. It's um, it's a complicated deal, but this weekend will be, I mean, a ton of fun. And um, still, that doesn't take away from the entertainment. And uh, But the committee's going to have some interesting decisions, potentially. And, um, you know, decisions will have to be made. So we'll see what happens. Now, the last thing I kind of wanted to get into is uh, the coaching cycle in college football. Ooh. It's also been bananas, I think, uh, with – First of all, I just want to throw out, I think Mark Stoops. Oh, so here's the thing with Texas A&M. If, if Mike Elko is a very good coach, I think that's a, that's exactly what they needed. There's a million good things about Mike Elko. Yep. I think that you could say the exact same things, but more about uh, Mark Stoops. So it's crazy mm-hmm. to me that they ran him out of town and then brought in Mike Elko. Feels like you're bringing in Mark Stoops light. I... <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I the only and I love that Texas AM is getting roasted for multiple reasons. Um, from their just beyond stupid traditions that just make no sense to me. And everybody rips to eternity with the 12th man and the weird midnight call and all that. Uh to thinking they're larger than life. Like I know they got a lot of money down there, they got some big donors, but you're not winning at all. And it's not like you're a program that historically has won. Like the last national championship was, well, a long time ago. And they're not exactly a traditional um, power uh, the last few years. They think they are. They're obviously paying like they are. So I guess kudos. But they're not. Um, I, it's a very interesting hire. He has A&M connections. So I guess that does mean something with being a defensive coordinator under Jimbo. But, you know. The lack of patience down there, I just hope that a lot of coaches across the country just kind of look around and realize if you're going to go down there, make sure that buyout is a big one. Um, make sure it is ridiculously big. So it's an interesting hire, um, but they're clearly desperate and they want to wrap things up and, uh, hey, just go get uh, a coach from a, you know, traditional football power in Duke. I, it's just the the – it's just so uncanny that they went from a coach who has almost unanimously overachieved at a basketball school 
wasn't good enough in the SEC, but then they hire a coach who is objectively overachieved at a basketball school in the ACC, and that's what they want for a lesser period of time, mind you. Um, so that's crazy to me. That it's just crazy because it's one thing if like they 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 bring in Mark Stoops, they throw tomatoes at him, they don't want him, they send him back to 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 uh, to, to Kentucky, and then they bring in a guy like. A flashy head coach. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would have been funny if they would have gotten uh, Coach Norvell from Florida State, Poach from Florida State, back to back hires. But they didn't. They just did. They said <laughs> they got the same guy who just less accomplished. I know, but that's. I mean, you never know how the coaching, you know, carousel is going to go uh, because you look at look. I mean, let's take a look at just the Big Twelve coaching scenarios right now. Houston football gets rid of Dana Holgerson. They've they fired him. They're in the midst of a coaching search right now. Brandon, you and I have talked about um, that a decent amount. There's been some interesting candidate names that have been thrown out from uh, a Jeff Trailer at UTSA. We've read about a Cliff Kingsbury. Um, we've we, There's been some interesting names. I, I even heard about the ghost of Kevin Sumlin by one radio wow. legend. I was like, I don't see that one happening, but you never know. I mean, I would, I, would on that, but I love, wow. I love where they're looking. I think they're looking in the exact <laughs> right place where they need to. I, I well, I guess if you're that. finding Kevin Sumlin in that, in, in that bag of goodies, maybe not, but I was got an accident on, on, uh, on I 35. I had to do a triple take and I, I was fogging out. I was crossing the lanes. People thought I was <laughs> probably, uh, you know, maybe, uh, had a potential DUI. No, I was just, uh, you know, fog from hearing Kevin Sumlin's name. Yeah, I think we've seen That's that. It. I, I thought we did, but according to one, uh, I won't name names. I really won't, but uh, I did hear that. So, but Houston's an interesting deal, and I'm curious what kind of hire they can get um, with being in the Big 12. We'll see how that goes. Baylor's another one. You and I talked about Dave Arneda quite a bit. Uh, we both thought he was done, and Baylor's giving him another year, and I'm still pretty surprised by that because they have had some pretty tough sledding the last couple of years down in Waco. Yeah, I it my my thing with with, with Dave Rand is that he, he's just he's trending in the absolute opposite direction. Like it's yeah. not like uh, it's, it's not even like he's plateauing. Where I feel like you can kind of make the case that a guy like Holgerson's kind of plateaued. He's kind of, you know, reached his ceiling and, and whatnot. Uh, Ryan has gotten worse every year since that big 12 championship. And there's just, the, the, there's nothing that I see in that program. and think they're just one piece away. They're getting better. They, you know, got jobbed in a couple of games. There's just nothing that I see there. That's like, Oh, I get it. I get it. I don't get it. He's run through coordinators. I think he's got, He's been through four in the last six mm-hmm. years. I don't know why a quality coordinator would go there at this rate. Um, maybe they just don't, they genuinely don't want to dish out the buyout or mm-hmm. what, whatever. But I, because a lot of these names that, that, that were thrown out for Houston, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Jeff Trailer, uh, Willie Fritz at Tulane, may, maybe looking to make a, a jump up to, to, to the power of five. Um, it's funny because Jimbo Fisher's on this list I have in front of me for Houston, which feels ridiculous, but Jimbo. you know, you gotta have some fun. Um, 
I mean, he, he could still collect his Texas A&M checks. He could, he could coach for free. Fully guaranteed. I know. Insane. But still, he, okay. he would still be one of the top 10 highest paid coaches taking a $0 salary. How does that sound? Um, but well, from a look- Houston standpoint, doesn't make sense, Brandon. But from a content standpoint for you and me, imagine if we get Jimbo in this conference. I, I would personally, here's how much I would be. If Jimbo gets hired by Houston, listen to me, Houston Athletics Department. You hire Jimbo Fisher, Brandon Shanahan and I will personally drive to Houston every year for one game as long as he is coach. I thought you were going to go as far as season tickets, which I would have been on board with for probably like 75 Do bucks. not tempt me with a good time. <laughs> Do not tempt me with a good time. And now, uh, that's well, how far and that's also the, the thing that's so unique about Houston is that their program is just so empty at the moment where, where you mm-hmm. could probably buy a season tickets for 75 bucks a piece. Yeah. Baylor hasn't quite gotten there yet. They're, they're knocking on the door a few more years of, of four wins. They're there, yeah. but you do need to make a kind of a splashy hire, which I feel like these guys all do that very well. And, you know, I think they'd also do a good job at Baylor. So if I'm Baylor, um, especially Jeff trailer, my gosh, that seems like such a home run for either of these two teams. That's true. I, I it would make sense, and you know, for Baylor, they're four in the last sixteen games. They're four and twelve, and I mean, they're getting wow. crushed. They're getting killed. Like twelve of those games were decided by ten point or more than ten points. So most of those games, they're not even competitive. It's not like close game. And they were competitive against West Virginia in their season finale. They almost found a way to win. And, you know, that was a tale of uh, if you start at the beginning of the year and you said who's on the hotter seat or who's going to get fired, I would have said, you know, Coach Neil Brown. But credit to him, eight wins. He's going to save his job. Should at West Virginia, he's put together a really nice year. But – you know, there was only 39,000 people at that game at McLean Stadium, which was a season low. They went one in six at home this year. I can't envision a scenario where there's going to be more enthusiasm unless they do something crazy off season from a fan base standpoint. It's not the old days of college football where you can afford to have a couple of losing season fan bases and specifically donors are very impatient people these days. And those memories are extremely short term. And that's across all the sports. Um, if I'm, I'll, I'll pull one NFL references podcast. I never thought we'd live in a world where Bill Belichick is on the hot seat. I thought he'd always get, no yeah. matter how bad, if he had a few bad seasons, he'd get to exit gracefully. And the Pats are bad this year, but like he's probably not going to make it potentially, which is crazy to me. And it's always, what have you done for me lately? And it's why it's a surprising hire. And recruits are aware that um, coaches are in certain spots or on certain hot seats and, you know, if you're a kid, you kind of hope to stay and play at the same place, I would think, for four years and play for the same coaches, hopefully, that recruited you out of high school. That's not the case most of the time these days, but it's why it's surprising because recruits, they're coming to Baylor. I mean, they've got to be fully aware if they have a bad season next year. I don't think he makes it. You're absolutely right. Uh, tough days ahead for those Texas schools. We got Texas school playing the Big 12 championship game. We'll, we'll talk about that later this week. It's the big one. I mean, is Texas back? Ooh. Who knows? It's one step to finding out. Any final thoughts here before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, we got uh, boy, we got a lot to talk about in the upcoming episode, Brandon, with, uh, you know, 
the game. Also, we got Big 12 awards we've got to talk about. They released those this week. So we got, boy, we got some big numbers. And hey, we got to give some shout out as well to some of these games in the last week. Because uh, that man, Ollie Gordon, your Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, woo-hoo-hoo-wee, was Ooh-wee. he torching and dominating in his uh, in his game last week. So I can't wait to discuss some games and, and preview games coming up. 